Well, good morning. It's good morning to be here. I'm Pastor Allen. Uh, we're starting a new series. We usually take a topic and talk about it for a month or so. We just got finished our movie series last month. This month we're going to talk about things Jesus never said. But before we get started, I need to make an announcement. Today is actually, this weekend is our 30th, our church's 30th anniversary. The first service met on this weekend uh, 30 years ago in a pavilion in Shoesville. And Hoovers were there. Uh, Joneses, if some of you know them. They're the only two families that are still here 30 years later. Uh, Deb and I came along about a year and a half later. Anyways, a bunch of pictures out in the, in the foyer, and we'd ask you to look at those. We're going to kind of review the last 30 years in the next three weeks. We're going to take 10 years each of the next three weeks. But because of the mission trip, we didn't want to take time to do that this week. All right, so talk to, you can talk to some of the folks who went on the missions trip too if you want to get some personal feedback. So back to our series, Things Jesus Never Said. So some of you, on um, today's topic is you, Jesus never said this. You don't need to forgive them. So if you've got one of those Bibles, the letter, names of, the words of Jesus are in red, that's what we're going to talk about. So these are things that Jesus didn't say. These are things he might have said, he might have, or maybe you thought he should have said, uh, but he didn't say. And this topic today especially is so important. This is... Um, can radically make a difference in your life, the quality of your life, the quality of relationships, uh, etc. Now, many of you are on Facebook. Let me ask you a simple question. We're all going to say, yeah. Uh, is there been anybody on Facebook that annoyed you? <laughs> Dumb question, right? Um, anyway, Jesus didn't say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they post. He never did say that, did he? Um, <clears throat> So we're going to look at what Jesus didn't say. Um, hopefully those of us that are Jesus followers, if you're not, we're glad that you're here checking us out. And like we said, we have a gift for you. But if you're a Jesus follower, hopefully you thank God for his forgiveness. We mentioned it last week. That he forgives you totally, completely, unconditionally forgives you because of what Jesus did. So hopefully you thank God for that. <clears throat> So today we want to look at something that Jesus actually said. It's in part of the Bible we call the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look in Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. And actually we're going to look at several things he said in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to look, first look at the Lord's Prayer. Almost everybody knows what the Lord's Prayer is, right? Uh, part of that prayer is I don't think most people understand what they're praying <laughs> if they pray it. I believe it's a model, a suggestion of things we should pray for. And then after Jesus told the disciples how to pray, they asked him how to pray, and he was telling them, uh, he has a PS or a postscript. He's, there's a point in the prayer that he wants to elaborate on, and uh, that's even more interesting and a little more difficult. So let's get started. So this is the Lord's Prayer. It may be a little different in this translation than you're used to. He said, this is how you should pray. Answer the disciples. Pray like this. Our Father. Now we'll come back to our Father in a few minutes. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy or hallowed. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments is to honor God's name, right? So that's part of the prayer. And he says, may your kingdom come soon. Rather the end, end times kingdom or the ki kingdom of God into people's hearts uh, soon. May your will be done. Now, 
That's interesting because most of us want our will to be done, right? We want what we want. And it's an important part of the following Jesus to get to the place where you can pray, not my will, but yours be done. That's what Jesus did in the garden. Hours before he was crucified, he said, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer and die. I don't want to be crucified. But at the end of that prayer, he said, not my will, but yours be done, knowing that God's will was for him to suffer and die. And of course, that's how it's done in heaven. And then part of the prayer is about provision. Give us this day the food we need. Give us this day what we need. God is our provider, not us. I mean, we may work and make money and so forth, but God gives us strength and he gave us a job. Somebody just got a new job in the first service. Uh, God provided that job. So thank you, God, for providing what we need. And then the, the verse, like I said, that people, if they pray this prayer, I don't think they understand what they're praying. May your, uh, next verse, please. <clears throat> And, after providing our needs, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven, past tense, those who sin against us. So, forgiveness for us, for the wrong we have done to others, and then we need to let go of the bitterness, resentment, forgive, uh, lack of forgiveness we have toward others. Notice past tense. So God, I want you to forgive me now for how I've forgiven other people in the past. Now let me ask you a simple question. Do you want God to do that? Do you want God to forgive like you and I forgive? Kind of resenting it, delaying it, maybe not even giving it. Is that how you want God to forgive you? I don't think so. I certainly don't. Then the prayer goes on. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We're all tempted. Temptation's not a sin. So the key is to stop short of crossing the line. I'm tempted, but I'm not going to sin. So he's asking us to keep us safe from the evil one, but also keep us safe from ourselves. Sometimes we're our worst own enemy. So that's the prayer. Now, Jesus said, that's the end of his prayer. And then he said, well, I want to elaborate on a part of that. Guess what part he wants to elaborate on? That part that we probably didn't know what we were praying about, that forgiveness thing. So the next two verses, he says this. If you, you and I, forgive those who sin against us, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Oh, you mean it's conditional? God's forgiveness for me is that I've got to forgive other people? But if I refuse to forgive other people, your Father in heaven uh, will not forgive your sins. So what is he saying? He's saying, well, you come to church, you think it's all good, and you've got uh, people in your life that you're not willing to forgive. God says, no, 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 no. <laughs> it isn't all good. There's a connection <laughs> between uh, the lack of forgiveness with other people and our connection with God. Now, I don't believe we technically lose our salvation when we don't forgive other people, but it affects our relationship with God. And it's like God's waiting for us to, okay, get to the place where you're going to forgive these people like I've forgiven you. Now, anytime I talk on this topic, and something I talk about a lot because it's so critical to our relationships, it becomes very emotional, doesn't it? Because we all can think of times that we've been mistreated, abused, uh, hurt, uh, etc. And they sometimes come out in a phrase something like this. You don't know what somebody did to me. 
I don't know what somebody did to do. You don't know what somebody's did to me. We all have those, those, those hurts, those pains, those scars from those hurts, don't we? Whether it's through a divorce, somebody betrayed you, somebody lied to you, somebody let you down, somebody didn't do what they promised or didn't follow through on their promise. Uh, sometimes about things people didn't do. They didn't help me when I needed help. They didn't do this for me or they didn't do that for me. It could be at work, at home, in our relationships, whatever it might be. And the bottom line is it's not fair, is it? It's not fair how people have mistreated us. It's not fair how we've mistreated other people. In fact, for me personally, and probably for most of us, it's one thing when you hurt me, but it's really hard for me to forgive when you hurt somebody I care about. So you can, yeah, you can say unkind things about me, that's all right, but if you say something unkind about my wife, that really gets my anger up. You say something unkind about my kids or grandkids, <laughs> someone went on the mission trip. That's really hard for me to forgive. So, a couple questions we're trying to answer this morning. How do you forgive something that seems unforgivable? And I think one of the keys to answering that question is in the Lord's Prayer and how it starts. Um, it starts how? Our Father. Let's say that together. Our Father. Not my Father. Our Father. So if he's our Father, what does that make you to me? We're siblings, right? We're brothers and sisters. Now that's really significant. Now let me tell you a story, some of you have heard this before. When our two oldest boys, um, Josh and Micah, were little, uh, we were pastoring down the road. We had an escort um, station wagon, early 80s. And they were only 20 months apart. In a short trip, church was a mile away. That didn't happen much then. But if we went on a longer trip or a road trip, it wouldn't be long before we'd hear something from the back seat like, he touched me. Or he's on my side of the car, you know, my seat. Or he hit me. And of course, as the driver, what do you say? You don't want me to pull this car over. You're going to regret it, right? So we had what we called no boy's land. There was this, the way that this back seat was designed, uh, there was this, this space, you know, a pattern here, a pattern there, a space. So this was no boy's land. You know, Micah stayed on one side, Josh stayed on the other side. That was our way of trying to <laughs> deal with this issue. As a parent, I kind of understand this. And those of you who are parents, you understand this. Because I think this is really true. Next slide. Nothing makes me as a parent more sad than when my kids fight. When they don't get along. Nothing makes me more sad than that. But nothing makes me happier when they get along. And I think that's truly true of God. So it breaks God's heart. It matters to God. It matters to God's heart when you and I don't get along. We have unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is not a word. I found out. <laughs> we don't have forgiveness in our hearts. So Jesus, a little earlier on in this, what we call in the Sermon on the Mount, he addressed this topic. And this is in chapter 5, verse 23. He says, so if you're presenting sacrifice at the altar in a temple, means you're coming to church. We give financial offerings. Uh, you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. This isn't something you did to somebody else. Uh, uh, you might have done somebody else. It's not what somebody did to you. And you think, ah, somebody uh, 
you know, my relationship's not right with this person. He says, um, you can't worship if you're fighting with your siblings. You ever have a fight with your wife coming to church? Been there, done that, right? Kind of hard to worship when you get here, isn't it? He said, well, you know, this affects you worship with me when you're at odds with somebody else. So he says, leave your sacrifice there. I mean, you're going to come back and worship. You just got to fix this first. This is our priority. Uh, next verse. And go and be reconciled. Fix it with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So a couple other questions. Who does unforgiveness hurt and what can I do about it? Well, we already talked about unforgiveness hurts God's heart, right? But who else does it hurt? And a statement's been floating around quite a while and it's been restated. It's this next one. We're not sh- sure where it came from. Or Google doesn't know. <laughs> but uh, resentment, is, I love this illustration. Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So I'm resenting something you did to me. And I'm drinking poison and I'm waiting for you to die. Now how silly is that? How foolish is that? Someone's described the lack of forgiveness as a self-made prison. Now the cool thing about this is you and I have the key to this prison that we're in. And God's saying the, the key is forgiveness. You want to get out of this prison? You need to forgive. Now some translations use the word debt and debtor, which is an interesting one. Because one area that I personally struggle with is this has happened so much over the years. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor and I do dumb stuff. But anyway, so many people we've lent money to that's never paid us back. And recently it's been a lot of money. And so I'm struggling with forgiving these people that owe me money because it's ongoing. It's going to take me years to recoup this money that people haven't paid me that owe it to me. So I'll forgive them and then I'll take it back because the resentment will come back. Because it's not fair, is it? So, sometimes we just, I can't. I can't forgive them. What they did was hurt me too much. I can't forgive them. Well, Jesus addresses that too. Uh, Also in the fifth chapter of Matthew, he says it this way. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the Old Testament. It was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Everybody understood that, right? His audience. He says, I got a a different system. He says, love your enemies. Now, this is part of the Bible we we ignore, right? (laughs) I know Jesus said that, but I don't love my enemies. How do I love my enemies? I can't love my enemies. It's not natural, right? So Jesus gives us the key. He says, pray for those who persecute you. And my response is, I don't feel like it. I don't want to pray for them. But that's the key. Um, uh, Over the years, I've described it this way. it's much easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into action. I came across this. I thought the shorter is easier to remember. Action before attitude. Action before attitude. So I'm going to pray for this person even though I don't feel like it. Then my attitude or my feelings will change. Uh, Some of us are runners. I like to run in the woods. Uh, But I hate hot weather and I hate the bugs and the gnats and all that stuff that comes along with it. So this week... I normally like to run three times a week. So this week I got busy and it was hot. and I had excuse. So it got to be 
Thursday and I hadn't run. So I was going to run on Friday and something happened couldn't run on Friday. So it's Saturday. I haven't run all week. I hate that. And it's still hot, of course. And so I don't feel like it, but I get up and I go running. And by the time I'm finished, I'm just, you know, my shirt's soaked and I'm, I'm wet. But I am so thankful that I, runners, once we got finished, right? <laughs> Even though I had to force myself. I did action before attitude. So same thing with forgiveness. <clears throat> Andy Stanley, a, a pretty well-known pastor, said this. I love the way he describes this. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. Isn't that what it feels like? That's why I hate it. I don't want to reward my enemy. But here's the key for us Jesus followers. The shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. So this prayer for my enemy, next slide, may not change them, but it always changes you. So that's a choice we can make. The word forgiveness literally means to hurl away. Not sweep it under the rug, not try and forget it, but hurl it away. Well, how do you do that? Well, Paul gives us a clue here in, in Colossians. He says it this way. <clears throat> make allowances for each other's faults. Do we do that? No, we make allowances for our own faults. <laughs> we have a hard time making allowances for other people's faults. He said, no, we all have faults. Make allowances for it. And forgive anyone who offends you. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. But not this thing. Anyone who offends you. How do I do that? That's, it's, again, it's not natural. It's not normal. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm almost 68 years old. There's a lot of things God's forgiven me over the years, right? So you must, not optional, you and I must, it's an act of required obedience, forgive. Uh, so here's a way to summarize. You forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did he forgive you? Completely, totally, unconditionally, and immediately, right? Now, Deb and I, especially me, struggled this early in our marriage. I, didn't, I, I wouldn't forgive her right away. And, she, and I might have wanted her to suffer a little bit before I forgave her, right? And it's so stupid, isn't it? So years and years ago, ago we just decided, when, and we, it's important to ask. So when we've done something, we ask our spouse, will you please forgive us? But the answer comes back immediately, absolutely Totally right now. That's what we do. Because that's the way God forgives us, right? C.S. Lewis put it this way. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. So what is that that you can't forgive? It's inexcusable? He says to be a Christian means you forgive it. Because God has forgiven you the inexcusable in you. Remember Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. If I understand the Bible, if you and I, the attitude of the Bible, you and I were there, we would have been yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And so God is, Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. And there's one story that really bugs me when I have lack of forgiveness in my life. Peter came to Jesus and said, hey, how many times should we forgive somebody? Seven and Jesus said, oh, well, well, you're way off, Peter. And he says, 70 times 7. Then he tells him a story. This king had a bunch of people owed him money. This one guy comes in, owes him millions of dollars. And he pleads, oh, please give me time, to, time to, to, to repay you. Don't throw me in prison. And the king not only gives him time, he forgives the debt. Millions of dollars. So this guy he forgives goes home. And his servant owes him a couple hundred bucks. 
And he pleads, please give me time to forgive you. And he doesn't do it. He throws him in prison. The king finds out about this and he brings this guy back and throws him into prison. And I don't know if you realize it, but who are you and I in the story? We're the guy that doesn't forgive his servant, the hundred bucks debt, after God's already forgiven us the million dollar debt. So here's what I'd like to do. How can you forgive? Give you four quick steps. First, refocus on God. What you focus on controls you, right? What you focus on controls you. So if I'm going to focus on the God's forgiveness of me, that's what's going to control me, or my un- lack of forgiveness for others. Secondly, realize we've all blown it. Now, we realize we all blown it, but we think you've blown it worse than I have. That goes back to that story. No, we all blown it a whole lot. So there's no, no degrees. <laughs> so we realize we've all blown it. Thirdly, let go of the right to get even. Well, let me ask you the first question. Do you have that right? Not as a Jesus follower, you don't have that right. The second thing is, can you get even? You can't. Somebody owes me 100 bucks, won't pay me. I can't get even with that. There's nothing I can do. And fourthly, respond to evil with good. Love your enemies. Pray for them. And you say, I can't do that. No. (laughs) This is something supernatural. But as a Jesus follower, we have the Spirit of God to do the unnatural or supernatural. So that's your homework. Who are you struggling to forgive? I've got folks. Maybe if you don't, that's great. But I do. So I encourage you to pray through these steps to be able to forgive those, those folks. So let me pray with you now. The praise team will come and, and lead us in one last song. Uh, Father God, uh, this forgiveness thing is hard for us because uh, it hurts. We've been hurt. Uh, but we haven't hurt anybody or anybody's hurt us anywhere near as much as we've hurt you. And we get that perspective, it should make us easy to forgive. And we, it, we need supernatural power for this, God. And we thank you that you supply it. And help us this week as we do this. And I pray we do do this. That we have the courage and the strength to actually do this. Pray for those people uh, that we have trouble forgiving. What a difference it will make in our lives and in the lives around us and in, in our relationship with you, God. And if anyways, anyone that might not be a Jesus follower here this morning, God offers you complete forgiveness because his son loved you enough to die for you. And all you need to do is say, yes, I accept that gift and you will be forgiven. Uh, God, we thank you for your unconditional, unlimited, unmerited, it's unfair, but we receive it anyway, forgiveness of us. In Jesus' name, amen.